everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Across the Airways Presents. It's Tangent Time. I am Michael J. Petty. With me is Wu S. Kim. And boy, have we got a show for you. And apparently, Wu. I am better for choice than Ben Affleck as Batman. Apparently. Apparently, I'm everybody is. Yes, yes. And you know what, Michael? In all seriousness, it's all about myself. <laughs> it's all about myself. Yes. All about myself. Everything's uh, about myself. And not to not to start this episode on a sour note, but I I want to I want to start this because I don't want to end with this. Um, I want to send uh, my heart my heartfelt condolences to Lee Thompson Young's family and um. Yes. And um, Gil Chesterton, the cinematographer of Star Wars Episode Four, he passed away today at ninety nine. Uh, rest in peace to them. Rest in peace to them both. But I'd like to say this about Lee Thompson Young. I was very shocked to hear about his passing. And I'll be. And this is being totally honest. I was so jealous of him when I was growing up. He was good looking. He was just so naturally talented, and. Michael, when he got cast as Cyborg, I didn't know anything about Cyborg in Smallville, but, or Cyborg in general, I should say. When he got casted, I was like, yeah, that's great casting. And when I, when I saw him, I was like, yeah, I was, I was right. This is great casting. Do you have anything to say about Lee Thompson Young? Well, he was not my first Cyborg. He is most like, he is, he is probably my definitive version of Cyborg. He will definitely be missed. And he was a great actor. I was, I'm upset he only got three appearances on Smallville. I know he did a lot more other than that, unfortunately, which I have not had the pleasure of yet to have seen. But I do want to send my uh, prayers and thoughts and condolences to his family, his friends, uh, a special someone if if he had one. And, yeah, I mean, I'm just, it's just a really, really sad situation, really sad scenario. So, so just uh, rest in peace. Rest in peace, sir. Thank you, Lee Thompson Young. Uh, moving on to a l l little bit more of a happier note. This is the first time that we've recorded in a while. I don't know how happy that is for a lot of you listeners out there, but it's the truth. Um, <laughs> they all hate us, so it's okay. Um, I have to ask you a question, and this is revolving the new... Involving, not revolving, involving... Let's get that right. Involving the new... Involve. The new the new S.H.I.E.L.D. show. How familiar are you of that in the comics? With uh, the organization? Yeah, the S.H.I.E.L.D. comics. Have you ever read those? Yeah, I'm fairly familiar with them. The, the, more, the more I'm seeing the promos for the show... By the way, we I just posted a new promo for... Um, a new promo that ABC just released for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is starting to look a lot like the S.H.I.E.L.D. comic book, which is good. Yeah, it has a different feel to it. It's not as serious by any means, which I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. But it but I think it's the, I think it fits with the universe that they're setting up here. Yeah, I think but, it definitely has a comic book feel. Yeah, and uh, I I do feel that this is going to be more or less like the the comic books in the past. But correct me if I'm wrong. The Shield comic books are not the longest comic books in Marvel history, and I'm not even trying to be funny about that. No. They are, they no. are not. They are actually very short. So it's actually going to be really interesting to see what 
what it, what this is going to be, but it really does feel a lot like the comic book. I, I, I don't think they're going to be adapting any material from the comic books, first of all, because the characters on the show don't even exist within the comics. They just don't. These are characters created by Joss Whedon and his crew for the show, and I think that's actually good. However, I can see why comic book fans would be annoyed, and I myself am upset that there are a few characters, including Dum Dum uh, Dungan, who I'd really like to see on screen, along with Clay Quarterman for sure. But on that note, I got my Entertainment Weekly this week. Uh, Andy, just the, Andy, our friend Andy Babak from the from the Helicarrier podcast, talked to me about that on Skype today. And what what what's in the Entertainment Weekly, sir? Sorry to cut you off. No problem. I know there there is an article in here about uh, Joss Whedon and his career, and also there is also one about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in particular, but actually what I was going to say is I got it today, and I, would, I was really upset because the back of it is all bent and torn up, and, the, like, the last few pages, like, the magazine is not in very good shape, and it was one of the covers I was really looking forward to getting, and... All I want to say is I'm voicing my disappointment with uh, the United States Postal Service. Okay, okay. You hear that, Postal Service? And we went around again. It's all Obama's fault. Yeah. Well, and, and a cool thing about the show, too, and not, not to cut you off or go on another sidetrack, but the cool thing I read most recently about the show is the producers are saying Think X-Files. And for anyone who knows me, I'm a huge X-Files fan. I review the X-Files season 11, or season 10, excuse me, comic book for the Across Areas website every month. I'm a big fan of the X-Files. And, and Joss Whedon is too, think, and Joss Whedon is too, just so you know. Yeah, and Joss Whedon is too. And if, and if they're telling me that this show is going to be X-Files-esque, then I am very on board with the show. I mean, I was already looking forward to it for the most part. Uh, but that does make me more excited. So does does this does this show also feel like kind of uh, like um, a Mission Impossible thing as well? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I I definitely got I definitely got that feel with this show, and all, all I didn't even think that, but that's a good analogy too. Well, the way they were promoting it initially, that's how I really really felt about it, and I really. I, because of that, well, I guess I guess it's Mission Impossible if you if you do a shot with somebody climbing like the windows of a big tall skyscraper. I, I guess I don't know. It also feels a little fringish to me. For those of you who watch that show, fringish. It's a little, it's a little more lighthearted, but than fringe, but but it has that feel to me as well. Can you be frilly and fringe at the same time? Can I be what? Can you be frilly and fringe at the same time? Sorry, that was a bad pun joke. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't know what you're asking me. <laughs> but overall, I'm looking forward to it, but this is me just as like a, just as, um, this is more as a critic than even as a fan. And by the way, I'm not going to name this person's by by name because I like this person and she's a friend of mine but she and this is something that I wanted to run by you and run by our listeners that I really just laughed at when she said to me a few weeks ago she said and I quote there is no way you cannot you cannot like something and be critical about something in entertainment 
there's no way you cannot like something and be critical about it. Yeah, and you cannot. Yeah, there's no, there's no way you cannot like something and and be critical about it. I'm not sure I believe that. <laughs> no, and Roger Ebert would have, God rest his soul, would have laughed in her face if if he heard her say that. Because, quite honestly, I can find find good things in things I like, and things I don't like, like Avatar. Yes, I agree. It's not the worst movie ever, but truly it did not deserve to be the number one box office movie in United States history. No, I completely agree with you there. It's not a movie that's definitely... That here's how I have to feel about it. After watching it for two and a half hours, after buying it for nine bucks, I felt like I wasted nine bucks. However, I could see some good in the movie, and there are things I did like about it. Now, if you had never seen, um, if you had never seen, let's say, Fern Gully or Dances with Wolves or even Pocahontas to a certain extent, uh, what I felt the same way. I'm not really sure. I mean, I just didn't feel it was a very well done movie. I, I feel that James Cameron after Terminator Two kind of went downhill. Well, I mean. I mean, my my point with the, those movies that I just mentioned, like Fern Gully and Dances with Wolves, if you had not seen that those movies, you'd be like, okay, this is like the greatest movie ever. But seeing as I have seen those movies, I can understand. I'm like, this is the same story as Dances with Wolves. Just well, I love Pocahontas. I, I think I'm, I don't know, some people really don't and some people really do. I really do. The animation style for that movie is just very, like, substandard from what I had seen before. And maybe that's what they were going for, something a little bit more simplistic. But look at the, look at the designs of all those characters. It's very average for Disney. Well, I love Mulan, too. Yeah, well, uh, maybe, I, maybe I'm biased because I had seen that movie when I was, like, 14. And I remember you seen, like, what was it, four or five princesses already talking about what prince or princesses of what they were missing in their life I was like could we please like not have that again for like the 88th time well I mean with, when you have younger sisters you're kind of forced to watch certain oh, things oh no I mean point. if you're younger and you weren't inundated with that as like like as as young as I was like or as old, uh, well as old as I was I should say you know if you're not, if you weren't inundated with that so much, like you're gonna love it. But I, after seeing something seven times all the way through and not really seeing anything different, that's how I felt about Mulan. Yeah. Cause no, the only thing that was really different about Mulan was that she was a strong character. <laughs> Which really made all the difference if you think about it. Yeah, and it's a major difference, but other than that, like, you could have, like, cut out at least 30 minutes here and there and you'd have been okay. I don't know, Mushu is definitely, like, one of the best parts of that movie. And it really did set up the great animated career that he would have later on. Yeah. Absolutely. But going back to my going back to my critics thing, I'm like it is possible to not like something and still find some good good material out of it. I mean, I saw Kickass two last this last week, and I understand you and Andy are not huge Mark Miller fans. No, not really. But you would say he's much better than Max Landis. Well, I'd say anyone's about better than Max Landis with 
a few exceptions. Well, I mean, at least at least um, Mark Miller likes Marvel. Yeah, and I just don't. Here's my problem with Max Landis. I don't. I really just don't like him as a filmmaker or a person. Yeah, so I'm a little biased. Yeah. But I, he's just not a good person, I don't think. But the way you but the way you look at Mark Miller is the, very much the way you look at Alan Moore. I mean, you may not agree with them personally, but they still come out with really great stuff. Yeah. And speaking of speaking of Mark Miller, um, what 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 is what do you think about the news about the Fantastic Four franchise and the X-Men franchise sharing the same universe. Now, you commented this on your Google Plus page. Would you like to expand on it? Sounds like I'm interviewing you. <laughs> I think that's fantastic news. And I, I really think, do. I, I think it's the I, best I think, news that they could do. I think that's the best thing that they could do. Sorry. I, I think so, too. Yeah. I, I think, ultimately, I would rather have both X-Men and the Fantastic Four in the Avengers universe. Or at least the Fantastic Four in their universe. Well, you're but, not alone. You're not alone in thinking that. Right. But if Fox still has the rights, I would prefer X Men and Fantastic Four to share the same universe because could you imagine seeing Charles Xavier and Reed Richards on screen together? I mean, that's just that's absolute fantasticness. Well, and the, the only uh, Reed Richards is the one Reed Richards we got live action, and I don't think he was the best Reed Richards that they could. Have. But here's the thing: when they reboot Fantastic Four. I'm thinking the movie's going to be a lot more interdimensional sci-fi space adventure than comedic superhero. Do you think because we're going to see a Galactus? I think we could. I think we could see a real Galactus. And if we don't, I would like to see Annihilus, actually, from yeah. the negative. I just, want, I just want to see Galactus go um, break the fourth wall and say, yo, I'd like to give a shout-out to my, my homie Thanos. What up, Thanos? Like a TR, like a TRL shout out during a music video, that that stuff. <laughs> Before uh, no, I, I I'm excited that Fantastic Four shares the same universe as as the X Men for sure, especially since now Fox owns Marvel's two biggest supervillains in their respected universe, which would be Doctor Doom and Magneto. Like hands down. Those are the two big bads of the Marvel Universe. I don't care what anyone else says. As, as human beings, as, as mortal beings go, you're right. There's nobody, there's nobody bigger than them. Anybody that's bigger is not human. Right. And the only one I would say that's, like, bigger as in, I don't know, what, how do I say this? Like, bigger in the Marvel Universe, who I think is a bigger villain, is Galactus. I don't even think Thanos is a bigger villain than Doctor Doom. Well, I don't even I don't even look at Galactus as a Galactus as a villain. He's one of those like things that's not good, not evil. He just is. He just is. Well, he eats universes. That's kind of evil. But yeah, but again, like if you want to go for the, go from a, a metaphysical point of view, everything has to die sooner or later. Well, all I'm saying is that when the Secret War happened and the Beyonder brought heroes and villains from all across the universe to the same central location, Galactus was on the side of the villain. That was one. That was one of the only. That was the one of the only things Spider-Man the animated series did in like their last few episodes that people really enjoyed. They like him, like bringing the Fantastic Four, Storm, the Lizard, Black Cat. 
um, Iron Man, Captain America all together to fight like various members of the Marvel Universe. I can't think of them all right now. But well, that's, that's my all-time favorite Marvel story arc. Like, yeah. to me, nothing tops Secret Wars because I just absolutely love that 12-issue miniseries. I think Kevin Feige is waiting, waiting until he gets the rights back to do that. I, and I hope he does. And if they want to explain it as the Fantastic Four and X-Men are on an alternate Earth within the same universe, and that's how they get around it, fine. And then maybe it merges at the end of the movie. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if anybody gives me garbage about this. Kevin Feige, I have a man crush on you. <clears throat> oh, my Lord. That, let's, let's define what that is, Michael. That means I want to buy the gentleman a soda pop. Or, or, dinner, or dinner at Olive Garden. Yes. And maybe, and maybe, and maybe get him coffee so I could be on, on set for Avengers 3. Yes. yes. Thank you, Steve Lawson, for that definition. Yes. Uh, yes. Thank you. Um, speaking of more Marvel stuff, <laughs> and not that I'm complaining, but... Okay, I'm going to start off with a negative first and then go into more positive. So, so yes, yeah, folks, he is going to complain. Uh, no, <laughs> no, but here's the... No, here's the... Here's the thing that I was getting to. Um, the older sister of Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen being casted as Scarlet Witch, this does not make me more excited or less excited to see this character on screen. I need to, and I don't think that's really negative. I think that's just me. Like that, that's just your male hormones going. No, that's just my my geek hormones going saying I don't care either way. This really doesn't change my opinion. I just don't care about Scarlet Witch being in the movie at all, so I try and ignore any news about that character I can find. But but I need to be very clear, like you could you could have casted my favorite actress right now and 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 Andy know and Andy knows while watching Glee who my favorite actress is on that show and she is my favorite actress. I can't believe she's getting married. Okay, this is me just being bitter. Um Wait, who is it? Her name is Melissa Benoist. She, she uh, I, I, I showed her, I showed you her picture. I thought she would be a great Lana Lang, but oh, I, I, I need to, I need to be very clear. Even if she was casted as that, I would not care less. I would not care more. I would not care less. I really just don't care. But moving on to Spider-Man stuff. How how subtle was Sony slash Marvel with the reveal of the Sinister Six, or I still call them the Insidious Six, still choose to call them that. Oh my gosh, the Sinister Six is my all-time favorite, like, villains group, at least in the Marvel Universe, so the fact that they're teasing it means that we're probably going to get it in one of the next few films, if not the latest one, and that makes me really excited. <laughs> subtle, very subtle in their marketing, too, very subtle. Oh, I don't even care. I don't even care. Give it all to me right now. When I saw that on splashpage.mtv.com, yes, I gave them a little plug there. I literally said, wow, that's really subtle. Even more subtle than the, than the, um, than the uh, Oscorp logo photo, leech photos or the S.H.I.E.L.D. photos. But here's the difference between S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Insidious 6. We already knew S.H.I.E.L.D. was coming long before they even, like, leaked, leaked those photos. 
here, they're like saying, oh yeah, this is coming. Sinister Six is coming. Yeah. And all, and all I see right now is two, possibly three characters from Amazing Spider-Man that could fill the six. Well, I think obviously you'll have Electro. Obviously you'll have Norman Osborn. You'll have Rhino. And you'll probably have the Lizard. Um, that's four right there. The other two, I can only assume, are probably going to be either Craven, Vulture, or Mysterio. I, would, I don't uh, think it could be Doc Ock. I hope they do, but I don't think they will. That bums me out. That bums me out. Well, I think you have to do Norman Osborn because he is Spider-Man's biggest villain. He's Lex, Lex Luthor to Spider-Man's Superman. Yes, but I I think because of how how good Doc Ock was in Spider-Man 2, I'm not sure they want to repeat that. Yeah. That's one of the only things of Raimi's that I really have no bad th things to say about. Yeah. Yeah. Because, le because let's go through a little history lesson. The original Sinister or Insidious 6 was, was Chameleon, Scorpion, Shocker, Rhino, Mysterio and and Doctor Octopus. Was that the original one? I think those were the original. I might be wrong. And then Vulture came in later after he replaced Mysterio. Uh, looks like it's Doc Ock, Craven, Mysterio, Electro, Sandman, and Vulture. Oh, oh. But you know that that team has always been interchangeable. It really is like King, the Kingpin's version of. The Suicide Squad. What it really is, and that's and because and I'm saying this because in the comics they have nothing to do with Kingpin or anything like that. What it really is is Marvel's equivalent of the Flash Rogues, which is awesome. Well, I mean, uh, and and I know you didn't like this series. I mean, your thoughts on this series is my my feelings on Young Justice. No offense, Spider Man the Animated. No, I, I like Spider Man the Animated series. I just think it's kind of slow. Well, that's how I felt about Young Justice, to be quite honest with you. But no, so you, so you did like it then. Well, I liked it, but it moved to a little too slow for my animated taste. Okay, I see what you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but here, but Spider-Man the Animated Series did a great thing of establishing all these villains in the Insidious Six before they actually came together and formed a group. Right. And, and I think that's what they'll do here in these movies. Or the Six Stooges, as Peter Parker called them. Yeah, well, they did the same thing on Spectacular Spider-Man and Ultimate Spider-Man as well. They introduced them all beforehand. See, I never, I think th I never thought of Craven the Hunter as a bad guy. Not at first, but once he met Spider-Man, he became total, total villain. Did Batman Beyond kind of rip off Kraven the Hunter? Oh, totally. Yeah, even though, even though I didn't, even though I didn't mind, like. Oh, I, I didn't mind either. I thought it was one of the best things ever. Even though, he, even though when I first saw him, is is that Black Panther's half brother? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's totally a rip off. But hey, it, it worked well. Hey, I don't mind ripping. I don't hey, mind Marvel ripping. Ripped off, off, ripped, hey, Marvel ripped off DC for years. You have to get this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Speaking of Batman, speaking of Batman animated, I just rewatched Batman Under the Red Hood. Great, oh. great movie. Probably the best. That's my favorite one. I don't know. I don't know what's better, that or Under Mask of the Phantasm. Well, out of the DC Universe animated original movies, Under the Red Hood's my favorite. Out of so, all animated movies, probably Mask of the Phantasm. Was was. The re under was Under the Red Hood a book before it ever became a movie? Yes, it was based off of Judd Winnick's Batman Under the Hood uh, arc, which brought back Jason Todd from the dead and made him the Red Hood. Great, great writer, Judd Winnick. Also a really big Green Arrow guy. He also worked on the actual movie, too. Okay, good. Because really, I don't... Th no disrespect to the stuff they did afterwards, like Superman vs. the Elite, All-Star Superman, or, or Superman the, 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 the Dark Knight Returns, the stuff. They haven't, they haven't really topped themselves since Under the Red Hood. They got it really right. Yeah. To the point where I actually well, like Jason Todd as a character now. Which I, I hated. Which I hated him before. Like I really, I really preferred Tim Drake and Richard, Richard Grayson. But, but Jason Todd really made me like, like um, or uh, Under the Red Hood really made me like Jason Todd to the point where I actually really want to read the Outlaws books. You should. They're fantastic. But did you um, did you ever see Justice League: The Flashpoint Paradox? I'm going to. I still need to see Superman. Uh, Unbound or Unleashed, but I'll see Superman the... Unbound is very good, but it is very different than the story arc. I think it's just as good, if not better, quite honestly. Flashpoint Paradox is one of their bets for sure. And it is super violent. Okay, okay. See, that's what really got me under the, about Under the Red Hood, that it was very violent for... Yeah, like, this is, this is a lot more violent. Because before Under the Red Hood, ladies and gentlemen, because we are, I sometimes forget we are recording these. That's one of the reasons why we created this show, because we just have a conversation over microphones. One of the things that really caught me about Under the Red Hood was the splatter of blood that happened after Red Hood killed somebody. A splatter of blood on the wall. You never saw that in an animated movie. Warner Brothers animated movie. Yeah. You never saw that. No. And I, w I was like, okay, they're like, Bruce Tim is not taking all the gloves off. Just one, just one glove. Mm -hmm. But just one glove is a lot. Um, go going back to Marvel, Really loving these viral videos of that Trask Industries. Yes. Makes me feel so safe. Yes, I, yes, I do. Nice to know where all of our tax dollars are going to. Giant, giant purple robots with very cute eyes. Where else would they be going? Um, Joe, Joe, Biden, Joe Biden's Cadillac collection? Well, yes. Yeah. I'm I'm making real friends every I'm making friends with everybody today. In that right, Shaggy. Shaggy. What kind of a name is Shaggy? Shaggy. So it still amazes me that Scooby Doo has lasted this long. Scooby Doo is fantastic, and will I know I've told you this before. You need to see that newer series. I I it do. Is, I do. I it do. is absolutely incredible. Like. The fact that it is actually, like, set up, like, 
You know, in all honesty, it kind of feels like a combination of Smallville and Supernatural mixed with Scooby-Doo. Because there's drama in it. There's, like, almost, like, teen drama to an extent in it. And then there are really big, like, plot lines. It just still amazes me that, that Scooby-Doo, after all these things that have come and gone, that Scooby-Doo is still, still, um, still lasted and still relevant in the 21st century. Really, really, really shocks you that there's something, there's something everlasting about this. About this character and about these, about these kind of stories. But speaking yeah, no. of supernatural, I don't, I don't know if you felt the same way about supernatural. Very mama news, isn't it, about the this upcoming season, sir? Yeah, I mean we know, we do know that um, Bobby's coming back, so that's good. And 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 I and this. This is a this just in because I haven't been able to post this yet. Jim, um, Jim Beaver will be on the Eric Kupke's new show, Revolution. Oh, that's awesome! That makes me excited. I don't know if it's only gonna be for like a guest spot, but you know, it's not a big shock seeing who the showrunner is. Yeah. And and I don't really think they're gonna totally get rid of Bobby. I'm not. I'm not. I'll never believe that. They're, they're, they're always going to have a place for Bobby. Maybe not in the... Spoiler alert. Maybe not in the living sense. I I They said he's going to come back to life, but it's not going to be in a way that you expect. Life model decoy. There I said it. Right. Okay, so I'm not in sidebar. Sorry, guys. I'm on Green Arrow TV right now. And the latest poll for the Green Arrow TV Awards 2013 is pick your least favorite character from season one. And I'm really mad because Joanna is not on the list. <laughs> and that is literally the only character I would vote for, so I can't vote for anyone on this list because I like everyone else. Hey, wait, let me, give, me, give me a sec here. I'm pulling this up on my Mac right now. Okay, least, least favorite character awards. Where is this thing? Where is this? Hold on. Oh, oh by the it's way, on the main page. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I see it. How is this? How is this even possible? Like, I can't pick any of those characters. I like all those characters. Yeah. Um. Um. I. I, I totally I totally agree. Not and once again, this is not longbow hunters. This is not longbow hunters. But I, I, I really did not see the point of Joanna t as a character. I don't think anyone did. Um, no. Okay. The one character I could pick on here. Actually, I could pick two. I could pick Thea if I was talking about her before episode thirteen. But I could also pick Helena if I was talking about her before her second about appearance. Close the door. So really, it's really hard for me to pick here. A lot of reallys there. A lot of reallys there, Michael. Um, oh, definitely, I think I would probably pick Tonya. No, no disrespect. No disrespect to um, Jessica DeGal, but I really didn't like how they made her almost full-on villain. They kind of brought her back in the second appearance, though. But you know, like again, this is not this is not Longbow Hunters. We should stress again. But to me, to me, nothing really matters. 
anyone can see. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh, yes. I, I, I really, I think you really, to, to me, the next time she comes on screen, or the next time she comes back on the show, Oliver's going to want to kill her. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, she shot McKenna, of course, yes. Yes. But I, I don't know if I could still call her my least favorite character because that really is Joanna. So I think I have to leave a comment saying, why isn't Joanna on the list? Because here's the thing about Paul Blackstone. In one episode, he redeemed himself for the entire for, for the entire season as Quentin Lance. Yeah. With his speech to his to his to his boss, the Candorian. And, and you know what, guys? This isn't Longbow Hunters, but on Longbow Hunters, we talk about new episodes and we talk about Comic-Con and DVD releases. Here, we can talk about absolutely anything Arrow includes, so deal with it. And honestly, there is a lot of Arrow news, so uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the Homeland villain that's going to be on Arrow? This guy is a great actor. He's a great performer. I, I don't think I have seen him in it. Maybe he was on Chuck once, but I don't think I've seen him in anything. Because he, he looks a little familiar, but I I can't I, I just don't know. This is a great kid. I I don't know I don't know who Berlanti, Chrisberg, and Guggenheim. I don't know who is their in guy, but they've gotten some really great top name talent for guest stars, and this guy is definitely that. Oh, he was on Fringe. Okay. I have to, I have to think that this guy is somehow going to be in, related to. Summer Glau's character. Maybe not related by blood, but there is going to be a connection between these two. Yeah, I mean, he, he could at least at least be like some sort of foot soldier or someone like that. Is or some the demon's uh, head? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have to give you credit for two stories. Here's the first one. When the story broke that, that possibly in episode 5, season 2, the the, Le the the League of Pillows is coming? The League of Pillows? No, no, no. The episode originally was was reported as being called The Demon's Head, but then uh, Craig Byrne on uh, Grineiro TV corrected it and said the actual title is League of Shadows. Or League of Assassins. Or League of Assassins, I'm sorry. Yes, League of Assassins. I'm so we're, used to saying We're really making it clear for our audience tonight, folks. I'm sorry, I, I'm so used to calling it the League of Shadows that I just can't call it the League of Assassins, but you're correct, it's the League well, of Assassins. I was so used to calling him Rachel going now it's Raz. No, it's Raish. It's Raish. I'm I've always gone with Raish. Just but go with Raish. But the general public know it as Raj. That's why that's why I have to keep saying Raz out cool. Well, you do what you have to do, but <laughs> I can't I, call him anything else. Really I think Ironically enough, that was Henry Ducard's fault in Batman Begins. Yeah, it was his. It was his fault because he because called I, it Rosal but that's not how it's pronounced. Because I think, I think in, I think, um, um, Nolan, Nolan knew it as Raish, and so did Goyer. But since, but since, um, but since, um, Liam Neeson said it is Rosal Ghoul. That's why they didn't change it, because you don't correct Liam Neeson. Which is dumb. You don't correct oh. Aslo. You don't talk. You don't correct a talking lion. I guess. 
Uh, oh well, I get it. Still, it still works. But how do you think that this is gonna go? He's gonna, Raja Ghoul is gonna kidnap Thea. I don't know if Ray, Rachel Ghoul is even going to be in it. I, I think they could easily just say it's someone like Lady Shiva or someone like that running it. Because I don't know if they want to go there. I think they do, but I think they don't. Lady Shiva or Karare? There's another, there's another reference for you. Well, I mean, you could put Silver Monkey in there, but Lady Shiva is just a better character. Do you, do you think this, this is way too easy to make Summer Glass character in Arrow... Um, really, like a Talia type character. I'm not saying that she is Talia, but she, that she was trained by the League of Shadows. It would be interesting if she were Lady Shiva. I could see it because anybody who sees Serenity knows that she can throw down. Absolutely. And Summer Glass, Summer Glass, a dancer too. Summer Glass, a dancer. That's why she's so good at fight choreography. Fight choreography and dance choreography are very similar, of course. Yes, absolutely. I would really love to see her in a male throwdown, if that's the case. That would be, yeah. I do, and I think we will. I just can't wait for it. Because I, I think we need to repeat this on Green Hour TV. There's much more, and we've said it on Green Hour TV once or twice, there's much more the, to the League of Shadows than Rajal Ghul, Bane, Bane, and that family. There's more to it than just that. They may be the heads, but again, there's a lot more to the organization than just the heads of the organization. Yeah. Maybe the demons head. Yeah. Um, but but I, I do know that Lady Shiva and Black Canary have a history. And I would really like to see that on screen. And I think that'd be very cool if Lady Shiva was who they decide to name the leader of the League of Assassins. Because most people know Rachel Ghoul as the leader of the League of Shadows. Not the League of Assassins. Now, yes, they are the same thing in the comics, but okay, it, it's I was just about to say, isn't that the same thing? Yes, it it is the same thing in the comics, but the name change, I could see them going this way. That's all I'm saying. And I and I honestly could see if they move. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen the show, um, Shadow has a relation with Lady Shiva as well. Yes. Because they can all loop this around, um, um, Yafei. Well, and she also has a relationship with Richard Dragon, who is actually going to be appearing in the Green Arrow comics, starting with issue 23, who I could see appearing on Arrow because he also has history with Bronze Tiger, who we know is going to appear on Arrow. And so that could be three potential people. Anybody who's seen Batman, and anybody who's seen Batman Begins know one thing: Rajo Ghoul loves the tiger, doesn't he? Tiger. I love that. I love that thing in Batman Begins where he's actually saying the names of the stances to Bruce while they're fighting. Yes. It's like the, it's like they're doing dance choreography. Now, Bruce, let's do the box step, the box step kick. <laughs> um. Yeah. I know I said that I wanted the Joker on Arrow. It would be fun to do the Joker on Arrow. But I think the biggest example of pandering would be to do, like, the Joker. And to that point, I do not even want, it, like, any reference to even a Harleen Quinzel. I don't want Batman villains on Arrow anymore. I don't. At all. Not even Black Mask? No. 
I, I think you could have other villains that have the same sort of motives as him to the point where it would be fine using someone else because it would be the same thing, essentially. I, I really don't. I really do not want Batman villains on Arrow because I really want Green Arrow's villains to get spotlight. I really want Green Arrow to build his own mythology and his own characters and his own following and fan base as opposed to writing off the success of Batman's, which I think too many uh, superheroes try and do nowadays. Um, to your, and I know there's probably a couple of you listening on your iPods or your Windows phones or what have you saying, well, what about Deadshot and Deathstroke? They're Batman villains. Too. Yes, they are, but they actually do have a history with Green Arrow and Batman. And, and really, to that point, too, they're not necessarily Batman villains themselves. They're DC, yes, villains. And Green- they're DC villains that deal with a lot of heroes. Yes, they're DC Comics villains, and if you really want to put it into perspective, Deathstroke is really a Teen Titans villain. So, and guess who's on the Teen Titans? Roy Harper. So, I mean, really, it can go either way to Green Arrow or Batman with some characters, of course, but, like, there are others that it really just can't. Especially if it's, like, if if they're, like, smaller villains, like, I, I think I read in a Green Arrow, like, in an in researching Green Arrow last year, that um, Carmine Falcone was involved in Sterling, in I keep calling it Sterling, Star City for a while before he moved to Gotham. Yeah. Not that I would want to see like a young Carmine Falcone, but you know, the, the, I could I could see his name on the list. Not see him, but I could see his name being on the list. Yeah, and I mean, even if they did a teaser where he was there and then died, whatever. I think Jeff Johns even, like, I don't know, I can't confirm this totally, but I think he even jokingly put Jeff Loeb's name on the list somewhere. That, well, he's, his name should be on the list because he left DC for Marvel. Well, no, they always like to poke fun at each other, Jeff Johns and Jeff Loeb. Like, remember, like, remember in season four of Smallville, they had that one episode where Small, yes, in season five, yes. Or, Where he went know, to visit the college? I think it was late season four, sir. Late season four. Are you sure? Yeah, because he was still in high school. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Where where the, the main villain's name is actually Jeff Johns. <laughs> yes. And I think Loeb even wrote it in the script, the most evil human being on the planet. Yes. And this was around the time that... Um, um, he was still with Marvel, I think, still a little bit before he moved back to DC. Yeah, because he did. Uh, he was working on the Avengers at the time, I believe. Ironic, irony, irony. Irony. But yeah. I, I so, just, bottom I, line, I, I want Green Arrow villains on Arrow. That's how I want it to be. And you could have references to some of them, like a question mark here or there. But again, references are not are not cameos or guest starring. Right, and again, we don't know yet, because it's entirely possible, but we don't know yet if Arrow and the upcoming Flash series will share the same universe as the DC Cinematic Films. We don't know yet. And that's another thing that we haven't touched on. Flash will be there. They have not casted him. All they've said is they're trying to use the Flash episodes that I think Jeff Johns is going to write. I think those are the ones that he's going to write. But, well, Barry Allen, the Flash, is his favorite comic book character, so yeah. I'm assuming. 
He really loves the Silver Age, didn't he? Well, hey. I love things that came out of the Silver Age. The Silver Age itself, I'm not a giant fan of. I, and I'm, I'm going to give this person a shout-out. I met her on the Metro train, actually, this weekend. Her name's Julia. I cannot pronounce her last name. That's why I'm not, I'm not um, saying her last name. It's spelled... Well, I'm not going to say her last name because I don't want to vi violate her privacy. She's actually from Chicago. She's actually from your area, sir. Okay. Yeah, we were actually t we were, we were actually talking, and she she really surprised me because I don't really hear this often, especially from a woman. No offense to women, by the way, that she really loved Golden Age stuff, like Golden Age Superman. Interesting. Yeah, there's some very good Golden Age stuff that I actually also really love, and then there's some stuff that's really dumb and bad. But, but what? But what you but what you said about the Silver Age, I've I've heard that from more people than I can count. They do not like the Silver Age in general, but they just like little itty bitty bits of the of the Silver Age, like when, like when Silver Stacey died. Justice League, Silver Age Justice League, I absolutely loved. Like I I do. Which is Silver weird Age Green Lantern and Flash is a is, lot of fun. Which is which is weird because McDuffie really wasn't a fan of it. God rest his soul. I know, oddly enough. Well, but, and I, I mean, I, I could see his point because there were a couple of books, and Grant Morrison, like Grant Morrison, your favorite person on this planet, said <laughs> said, said the same thing about Superman. Like him or not, he is right about Superman during the Silver Age. There was great story elements, but him as a character was just kind of eh. Yeah. No, I. The one thing that they got right with him, though, during the Silver Age, character wise, is they did make him a strong moral character. And that, and that is what stuck, and that is what made the George Reeves show and the Christopher Reeve films so good, as, along with the Fletcher cartoons and Super Friends and other animated stuff with Superman. And here's the thing about the Silver Age too, and I have to give big props to Mort Weisinger, one of one of the titans, no pun intended, along with Julie Schwartz during the Silver Age too. That the, they brought Mort Weisinger really brought in like the breadth of the mythology, like things like the Phantom Zone, like the Bizarro characters, things like yeah. Mixus Pitalik and like Crypto and Supergirl and all this stuff that is now canon. A lot of that came from Mort Weisinger. Oh, and don't forget about Gardner Fox, creator of the Justice League itself. Yeah, and yeah, and you have to you have to really you know credit Julie Schwartz for doing that too, because he thought of thought of like in a major league baseball all star team, or a or a or like the or a, the. I don't know. As you can tell, I don't know a lot of sports metaphors here. Um, the the a great Super Bowl team, like a, like the the most awesome team ever assembled, and that was what the Justice League of America was, which was kind of like the opposite of what the Justice Society of America was. And really, it's kind of and and I don't mean to pick fun. I really don't. But it's really kind of the opposite of what the Avengers at the time were as well, because they were really just a band of misfits. Well, I, whereas, well, I, well, I think I think we even said this on our last show. The 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 the, the Avengers was really like more more like Marvel's version of the JSA than the JLA. Keep track yeah. of all those letters. 
Well, unless you want to count the invaders, and then they're really the JSA, but, yeah. But, uh, and I know you hate this term, and I don't mean to make you mad. I'm not saying it to make you mad. But I think the gold standard for most comic book movies, for right now, and I don't think anyone's topped this yet, is The Avengers. And I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Because really, like, if you look at The Avengers just as a movie in itself... There's so many things that, like, almost any movie-going person could find enjoyment out of. Yeah, absolutely. And again, definite, definite comic book feel. Now, if you want to go ultimate superhero movie or, or big superhero movie, I don't know if I'd agree on that. But for comic books, absolutely. But, that here, is definitely but, but here's the thing with that. I mean, but what you just said about superheroes, that's so, that's so much more broader and that's so much more subjective opinion this Avengers is the best comic book movie that has ever been made from start to finish mm. okay there's a I think it's the best example of one but I don't know if it's the best I would I would I would give my candidacy for that one I would not just because it made a lot of money that's too easy to say but I think every 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 note they hit, they hit it well. And even like the like the little odd stuff, like the helicarrier like going down. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. Um, it's on Netflix Instant Watch and on and on um, Redbox Instant and on Amazon Instant Video. So you have no reason if you have any of those, you should see it right now. Go go see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And and why haven't you watched it by now? Exactly. That's what. That's. Uh, that's exactly what Andy said to our buddy Chuck on the Helicarrier podcast. But anyway, I don't think I don't think like you'll find a better comic book movie overall in terms of like hitting different stuff, having humor, having action, having drama, suspense, even a little bit of horror than The Avengers did. No, is yeah. it my is it my favorite? No, but I think to say it's not one of the best, or if, if it's not the best comic book movie in the last five or seven years, I think it's a little bit misguided. I don't know. I I really do think that Iron Man and Captain America are just as good as the Avengers. I really do. I think they are just as good. As that film, if not better in some instances. I don't know, and maybe it's the team aspect that overshadows anything else in the movie. Just the fact that you could get all these big names in one spot, live action. Which I will say now that I'm almost thirty, like, like I never thought even in my lifetime that I would ever see that on screen. I would never be able to see that. I'm 27, by the way. I'm not that old. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, in my lifetime, I probably, I probably never thought that I could see this on, on a movie screen. See, I'm getting emotional talking about it. I need a minute. <laughs> That's how I feel about Batman and Superman on screen together, the same way you're feeling about the team. Okay, now that, okay. Okay, we'll save that towards the end, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this because, again, we haven't talked very long, uh, listeners. Our, my, my schedule this last week has been insane, and I'm not even being funny. Michael just started his senior year of high school. How did that go, Michael? 
You know, it's I've already been accepted into college, so it's kind of like I have the worst case of senioritis ever. I just want to get out, but yeah. you know, I'm enjoying it so far for sure. Just hope there's no media showing. Oh dear God. <laughs> I'm I'm really gonna wait. I'm gonna be looking up in the sky my entire graduation day, just checking the weather. <laughs> I really am. And for those of you who who think I'm lying, I might videotape myself doing it just to prove it to you. Hold on, hold on, Michael. What's a videotape? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. I'll um, buy it. I'll buy it for you guys. And 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 by the and by the way, there will be no babies in craters. Yes. No babies in craters. No. But, but you might have a foreign exchange kid betting on football games. Well, that's entirely possible, seeing as how we have like 20 foreign exchange students <laughs> at our school. And I kid you not, I think there are actually more than that. Okay, so wait, one of them's named Mikhail. Um, one th th going back to my other point, this is mainly about X-Men. Chris Claremont being involved in Days of Future Past, best choice they could have ever made. I don't know if Feige was involved in making that choice, but if it, but if he was, I would not be shocked. I, I think it's just because of it's because it's a whole different studio handling it. I really don't think he has much to say about it, but I think Brian Singer really takes this movie seriously and really wants this to be a good X-Men movie for the fans who have wanted him to come back to the franchise. After and I he, think he, after he abandoned, abandoned it in 2006? Yes, after he abandoned it, yeah, for Superman. <laughs> but, you know, I think I'd abandon it for Superman as well. I, I don't think he was wrong to do that. I just think he was wrong not to stay on in some sort of form to make sure Cyclops stayed alive. But anyway, regardless, Chris Claremont was also involved in the Wolverine, and the fact that he's involved in this film just makes me so happy. And and here's the thing about Chris Claremont, and I tweeted this, and Michael very happily retweeted it on on Twitter this like two weeks ago. Chris Claremont is second only to to Stan to Stanley in terms of the X Men guy. Like he is the man that made Wolverine who he is. He is William Stryker. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, and and if he hadn't used Wolverine in his X-Men run, if he hadn't really forged Wolverine and a bunch of the other characters, and I'm specifically still talking about Wolverine, Wolverine would still be stuck in his Incredible Hulk days, and then his Alpha Flight days, which they, and I'm so glad he's out of that. I wasn't really not a, not a big hater on Alpha Flight. I don't mind Alpha Flight. I actually like the team. I like when they team up with the X-Men. They're pretty cool, actually, but... And the way they did that in the animated series in the 90s, bringing Alpha Flight, Alpha Fleet back was actually very, very imaginative. Yeah. Well, and he's... And Wolverine is very loyal to that team as well because he has a lot of friends on that team. Uh, he's just as loyal probably to them as the X-Men or the Avengers, oddly enough. But they're like kind of the outsider group out of all his teams. Well, so they're, the it's kind of... well they're the Canadian X-Men. Let's just call that what it is. They're well, the... I mean, they're not mutants. They're more like the, the Canadian Avengers, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but no, bringing Claremont in. Well, let's just say this. Claremont did, cre did create Days of Future Past. That's his book. Yes, 
And the Wolverine Limited series was also his book, of which the Wolverine is based off of. So they're really taking his material and really interpreting it really well on screen. And I don't know, I can't really say that yet about Days of Future Past, but I can say that for sure with the Wolverine. Well, well here's the thing. Kevin Feige may not be involved officially, but he is good friends with Singer. And I wouldn't be surprised if Feige told Singer, you want to get this really right, ask Claremont if he wants to be involved in like overlooking the story of being a creative consultant. Yeah. And you know I wouldn't be surprised either. I still think it was Brian Singer's call overall. But yes, it was his call, but I think it was it wouldn't surprise me if it was Feige's idea to bring him in. Yeah. Be- because Days of Future Past is one of the most beloved Marvel stories of all time. Maybe the most liked of all the X Men stories. And, and yes, stories. and yes, folks. He did say Marvel stories, not just X Men stories. Yes. Again, X Men is Marvel's flagship team. It is not the Avengers. I don't care what anybody says. It is the X Men. And if this movie is not done right, people just say the Avengers just because. Hey, Disney has great marketing. Yeah, I mean, they just say that now because they're popular, but really, it's the, the X-Men are the big team, and if you don't get this film right, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Well, you know, a lot of people will tell you Chris Claremont's version of Wolverine and Days of Future Past is what got them into X-Men in the first place. Yeah. Because, so. because, because Stanley, Stanley did a really good job establishing the X-Men, of course, and with Jack... Kirby's help, but again, the X-Men really didn't look any like anything that different until Claremont gave them a new, gave Wolverine, so pretty much what Frank Miller did to Batman, giving him a new layer that really wasn't there before. Well, and I don't know, even if, and I think that is absolutely true for Wolverine, I'm not so sure that's true for Batman with Frank Miller, because it was there initially, it had just been lost, so maybe he just rediscovered it. But I think that's definitely true with Claremont and Wolverine. And just just the shots that we're getting just from the team. I love that the um the guy who played Professor X in um first class, what's that guy's name again? Oh, you're gonna make me think. Gosh darn it. Hold on. <laughs> no, don't don't speak. Just let me Just, just let me look. It's oh, oh, James McAvoy. James McAvoy. We have seen photos of him with Jackman in his new souped-up wheelchair. I need to get one of those wheelchairs. And he looks like a uh, he looks like Steve Jobs without a lot of sleep. No, he or he looks like Loki, or he could be Tom Hiddleston's brother. Yes. Yes, he could. Yeah. We did talk about the Marvel phases a little bit. One thing that we talked about a little bit last week, here's the one thing that I need to reiterate again. In Marvel and DC, there's things called these crises where the the teams, either the JSA, the JLA, the Avengers, what have you, pick whatever team you want, comes together to fight a big bad. Then what happens after that is the post-crisis where everybody deals with what just happened. Marvel Phase 2 is very much what happened post-crisis. 
Yeah. And again, if, if, if that's all these films are, again, I've said this before and I'll say it again, I'm going to be very disappointed. Because I do like that in the comics and that works for comics, but that does not work as well on screen. And that's part of the reason I was disappointed with Iron Man 3, but Thor The Dark World does not look the same way. It, so will, I already, it will have elements of that just because Thor and Loki are the are the two most characters associated with the main story of what the crisis was in Avengers. Yeah. So oddly enough, I mean, Thor The Dark World really should be the, the post-crisis movie if, out of all of them. But it really does not look like the post-crisis movie of all of them. So, and, and here's the thing with Thor The Dark World. With Thor The Dark World, it's actually doing what doing what most comic book movies do in reverse, where the first one is very character-based and the second one is very story-based. The first one, the first Thor movie was very story-based. This next one is going to be more character-based. Yeah. Which is I weird. think that's the way to do it. Which is weird, because the, it's usually the other way around for both DC and for Marvel Comics. But here's the thing, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit like different in your, in my opinion than with yours. I like the fact that all the characters are dealing with what happened in Avengers in a different way. Of course, Tony went into space and nearly died be because of like the crisis. Thor needs to de like deal with the emotional baggage of his brother, his whether he be adopted or not, pretty much almost destroyed the world, destroyed the human world that he's supposed to protect. And once again, I love Portman slapping Hiddleston. Yes. Because really, they didn't—they they didn't even meet in the first Thor movie. No, I guess they didn't. Yeah. All she saw was the robot. But in, I'm really looking forward to Winter Soldier just because Steve Rogers, again, like I said last week, and I'll—and I'll keep it short for this week. He really is a man without a country, no pun intended. Yeah. Because everybody he knew. He, he knew is dead, or so he thinks. Dramatic pause, dramatic pause, dramatic pause. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. But, and really, he's in a world that he doesn't understand, and he's trying to reconnect with the world that he left almost 70 years ago now. Yeah. It's, di it's different with, and like I said in the podcast, it's different for Tony, because he still has Pepper, he still has Rhodey, he still has his friends. And it's different for Thor for the same reasons, really. Because he has a world to go back to. Right. Widow, Widow, and Hawkeye are like these like solitary soldiers. They don't. They don't. They're, they're soulless foot soldiers who just look good on screen. They don't matter. Well, I, I don't think that's going to be the same. Same in um, Captain America. At least I don't think so. Even though I, I'm really, I'm really not fully on board with the direction they're going. And let's let's face it, Bruce Banner's always, always not comfortable in his own skin for good reason. So it's not going to be that big a deal for him to be out of place. Right. But for, but for Steve, who is even in a lot of ways more. More apple pie than even Clark Kent, because he is human. Yeah. He really he's, is. He's, he's very old-fashioned, but oddly enough, he changes with the culture very quickly. Yeah. But so it, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. But I think the first half of Winter Soldier is going to be 
I you I usually can adapt well when when I'm fighting something and I have nothing to fight. At least not right now. Yeah. So it's really gonna be I, I, So it's really gonna be yeah. interesting what Widow and Emily Van Camp's character are gonna like bring to his um makeup as like a solo character. Yeah. I, th I think you'll see a very different side to Steve Rogers and I think his personality will change probably halfway through the movie. I, th I think he'll I think he'll be a different Steve Rogers more in line with the modern comic version that you know and love today. Yeah. More so than his World War II counterpart or I guess his 60s to 80s counterpart. Yeah. Uh, he'll he'll be different for sure. Here's one thing that I have to say about again about supernatural there there's there being very mums the word, I have to think, and I don't know what Dan and Nico said about this fully because I didn't hear the part about their Comic-Con episode about Supernatural, but I have to think some big things are going to go down the first ten episodes. Prop, yeah. Because, let's let's face it, Collins hasn't said anything, Padalecki hasn't said anything, um, Jensen Ackles hasn't really said anything, like, no one's really said anything other than a few things that we already know about, like Cass not being an angel anymore. Spoiler alert. Right. Well, uh, and then we got news of uh, of Wes Keenan being the new angel Ezekiel. And and via Twitter, um, um, Felicia Day just said she wrapped her episode on Supernatural. Right, and we know Bobby's coming back. But other than and, that, that's not really, that's not really saying anything about what's coming up this season. Well, and and then we know that that spinoff character is going to be introduced, so that could be big potentially. But but really, there's nothing other than that. Like like any, but really, that's not revealing anything about the story where they where they're going to leave. Because season eight really did, was like the ultimate ultimate cliffhanger to the point where we don't know where they're going to go in this next season. Right. And, Absolutely. And without without talking about the episode in full, like the if you saw the end of season eight of Supernatural, like you could not see where that this thing is going. Obviously, what in season three, season four, season five, you could see honestly where they could go. Even at the end of season seven, you saw where, where they could go. But with the, but with this, no. Yep. Because for the. For the first time in a long time, Sam and Dean aren't lost. Right. <laughs> which, is, which is kind of refreshing, actually. Yeah. I, he, I'm glad. I'm happy. They're in a good place. I like it. Yeah, they're, they're neither of the... One is not looking for the other again. For, like, the upteeth though. I think that was their version of Clark losing his powers. Yeah, and I think we were pretty done with that. Yeah. Um, because, and, I, and I think the writers were too. It's like, how many times can we do this before the audience is like, okay, we know that in the first, in 801 or whatever, they're going to find each other again. Right. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the new Muppets trailer. What did you think? I am really looking forward to it. It looks even better, maybe, than the last one, even though I absolutely love the last one. And judging by the title, John Walsh from America's Most Wanted will be the narrator of this movie. 
I'm just saying. Um, That'd be awesome. Um, love that Walter's back. At least that continuity is still there. Yeah. And do you? Am I wrong in thinking that this is gonna be like their, like the new version of Take Manhattan or or Green Muppet Caper? No, I think you're probably right. I do, I do love Tina Fey with the Russian accent. Yes. <laughs> Tina Fey is great in anything. I don't care what she's in. She's funny in anything. She is pretty funny. Yeah. I love the fact that John Hamm is in this movie. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> you would not know this by watching him on Man Man is Don Draper, but that dude is a funny guy. Anybody who's seen him on SNL knows what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, Ricky Gervais, who's always funny. And do you love it? And do you love that Scooter moves like Jagger, sir? Yes, I do. <laughs> my friend, my 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 friend, one of my good friends, really good friend. She really doesn't like. She doesn't like the fact that they're, that they're making the Muppets modern with all these modern pop songs. But that's what they did back in the day. See, that's what I explained to her. It's like, I think she likes the whole timeless aspect. But yeah, you're right. They On the original Muppet show, they did bring the current artists of the day on the show. Like, Kenny Rogers was really popular. Um, the lead singer of um, Blondie, Debbie Harry, was on the Muppet show. Like, they always used to bring really big current... Um, current... Uh, Performers, even when they had that little like Muppet show on the Disney Channel for like five seconds, yeah. they, they had like Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato show up on that show. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't mind it. And plus, I love the the idea that Scooter, or as I like to call him, Muppet Bill Gates, is singing moves like Jagger. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. And the good news that Brett McKenzie and all the Flight of the Concords guys will write th this script as well. I don't know if Jason Siegel and Amy Adams will be in it anyway. I wouldn't be surprised if they had a cameo, but I don't know. Because, I don't know how much more because, because I really think they want to have the humans be interchangeable because the real star of the movie is the Muppets. Right, and I think that's how it should be. Yeah. Um... um I I have to really. This is going into our next thing. I have to really think that J.J. Abrams. I need to check J.J. Abrams' forearm to check where the battery goes because apparently this guy doesn't need to sleep. What is this guy made out of? Right. Um. That that trailer that I posted. And by the way, any of these trailers that I'm talking about, you can find them all over on our social media pages: Google Plus, Facebook, Twitter. You can find them anywhere. On either one of the three I mentioned, that trailer for his new movie looks like Cloverfield, like times eleven. Yes. And it looks really, really creepy. I have to wonder when does this time have time to like you know just eat lunch. Yes. And that's what Bad Robot stands for. He is a he is a life model decoy. Yeah. Bad robot. I, I have to say, uh, Abrams is a much better director than he is a writer. I really like his directing style. J.J. Abrams? Yeah. Yeah. 
And people yeah. people say J.J. Abrams doesn't do like creepy movies, but you, you have seen Super 8. I've seen parts of it. It that it has a little bit of a creep factor in it, I would say. Yes, parts of that movie are pretty creepy. I think I I don't think overall it's a creepy movie, but he can definitely do creepy. In fact, Super 8 is one of those movies I watch when I need inspiration because I just absolutely love that movie. Because here he. J.J. Abrams is very much like Nolan in the sense that he likes to t try new things that nobody's ever tried before and take the, or an, an older story, let's say, and try to bring it into the 21st century or bring a new flavoring to it. And I think that this is what his new mysterious movie is going to be. I don't even think it has even a working title yet. Right. But, but let's, get, let's get into our main event. Yes. Okay. Um, actually, I faked you out because there, there is one little thing that I wanted to. Are you kidding me? Yes, 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 yes. Sorry. You are a terrible person. I know. I know. Um. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Yeah, that's a maniacal laugh moment. Um. I, I don't want to make the audience feel that listened to us last week that I hate Hans Zimmer, but I really do not think he is a good choice for Star Wars. And anybody who knows Star Wars knows what I'm talking about, looping this back. They're not Andy. They're not, not Andy. Because Andy only okay. saw the movies for the first time a couple months ago. Right. And again, no, I'm, uh, and not I'm, to, I'm just uh, messing with him. Don't take it personally. Not to, not to be a geek hipster, not to be a geek hipster, but honestly, anybody that knows Star Wars knows exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. And like I said, I would have, if it wasn't John Williams, it would be either Michael Cicchino, who's who does great work. He did your favorite movie, The Iron Giant. Yes. I would not have said anything anything wrong about James Horner, who did Amazing Spider-Man and Titanic. I think he would have done a great job, too. Yeah. I, I, really, do, I really don't know how I feel, though, about Hans Zimmer doing Amazing Spider-Man. It depends on if they want the movie to be a darker movie or not. If they do, then okay, we'll see how it goes. But I think Spider-Man should have a prominent theme. He did kind of in Amazing Spider-Man, but not strong enough. Yes, I, I completely agree with you. He had that theme in there for sure, because I have parts of the James Horner soundtrack, and he those themes are for sure in there, but they're not prominent enough. And I don't, and I think Hans Zimmer will make the same mistake. And I, I don't think I've, I think I've said this once on the podcast. I, I don't remember because we gloss over a lot of things. On the podcast, here's one thing that I have to say though about about Hans Zimmer. I I, I liked I liked the dark the Dark Knight theme more than the Superman theme. I but I will say this: he does do strong themes. Even though I'm more partial to the John Williams Superman theme, that will always be capital T the Superman theme for me. That will always be the Superman theme for me. Not knocking the new one. I'm just saying that it's... 
I don't feel the sensation as I'm flying as I listen to the new one. Maybe with some time I'll, that will change. But I, but relating this to Spider-Man, I do not want it to be drums galore. Yeah. That's my big criticism with Hans Zimmer. It's like, okay, we know you like the drums. Can you lay off for just, you know, two seconds? Yeah. Maybe use some triangles instead of drums. Right. <laughs> our, our, I don't know. our music fans that are listening to us are probably laughing. Maybe out of pity, I can take pity laughs. I don't know. He, he, I don't know. That's my main problem with Hans Zimmer. He relies way too much on the heavy stuff. Yeah. And 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 I differ with you. I think I like maybe the Man of Steel theme just a little bit better. Uh, not much. Not much at all because I absolutely love the Dark Knight theme. But I think I do like it a little bit better because it feels more like a theme than the other does. The other feels kind of more like background. Um and, but and, I, and it's I, funny I, I because that's how I feel about the Superman theme, Hans Zimmer's Superman theme. That's really that interesting. Is, that is funny. Because here's my problem with the serious Superman theme, and it's a very personal one. It starts out way too slow, and when it really, it, when it really kicks into high gear, it, that, that's when the song ends. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. Yeah, that's my big problem. And thank you for, and thank you for acknowledging that because I thought I was the only one who thought that. No, no, you are not. I feel the same way. Yeah. Again, I think the theme for Man of Steel is the 16th track of that soundtrack, which is "What are you gonna do when you're not saving the world?" And that's the problem I have while listening to the song. I find that for the first minute or so, it. It, it kind of comes in a little too slowly, and then once it picks up, I get really into it, and probably a minute later, it's done, and, it, and it's really sad. But then again, I feel like the Dark Knight Rises does that at the beginning, and then slows down a lot. But you know what? I'd, I'd rather a song do that at the beginning than slow, than slow down at the end. See, I don't like that only because it psychs me out. Yeah, and I don't and I don't like that with Superman because it builds up the anticipation, and then it builds up the anticipation to like a second of yeah. music. Absolutely, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. And I, to me, I don't know. He, it almost feels to me like Hans Zimmer doesn't really complete his work. I feel he has fantastic ideas in his work, and I think he, for the most part, executes them pretty well in his in his music. I don't feel he ever really finishes them or gives them a satisfying ending. Well, here's the thing that I think about Hans Zimmer's music. It stinks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, kidding. Well, I don't think that. Kidding, <laughs> kidding. I think he is a very much a Bono or a Paul McCartney guy in the sense of he wants people, when they buy the soundtrack on CD or they buy the soundtrack on iTunes or, how, or on Spotify or however they get it, you know, the, he wants them to put, he wants the audience, the listener to put it in the CD, put on your earphones, and then listen to the entire score of a movie as one big, one hour extravaganza. If you listen to it track by track, it's going to feel disjointed. I think the, the real... What he really wants you to do is buy the whole CD, listen to it all the way through, and then you'll get a complete auditory 
auditory experience about the story as you're listening to it, rather than just listening to it track by track. I agree with you. I have the entirety of the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises soundtracks. Um, I've I've done that, and I feel that it is a little more complete, especially with the Dark Knight, as I've been on a CD, and I've been listening to that since 2008. Uh, Man of Steel, the same. I have the extended edition soundtrack. I've, I've done the exact same thing you're saying. I feel that it's a lot more complete altogether, but I, I feel... I feel the mark of a really good composer is when you could listen to one part or one, one track from an entire score, know what movie it's from, and really enjoy it. And, and I don't feel that's always the case with Hans Zimmer. That's just me. And here's the thing that everybody has to realize that who are listening, who are listening to us and probably can relate if you're in this age bracket because most of you are in the in the generation that we are in now. Michael is not part of this generation because he and I are like a couple are um a couple years apart and actually like vastly apart now that I think of it. We're about eight years apart. Yeah, he Michael comes from a generation that. You open up iTunes and you buy a song for 99 cents. Or you go to Xbox Music and you buy a song for 99 cents. Or you get a subscription to Spotify or Pandora and then you pick and choose which individual songs you want to listen to. And and that's fine. I think Hans Zimmer still believes that people will still buy a CD for because of who the artist is and listen to the entire thing. I don't know if many of my friends, no matter what the age, if they are 27 like me, or or in the or in their early 20, or in their late teens, early 20s like Michael, that actually do that. Actually, will buy a, an entire album on Xbox Music or on iTunes or buy a CD and listen to every single one of the tracks. And, and if I can interject, Will, my father. <laughs> my father has always gotten, whether it's vinyls, whether it's tapes, whether it's CDs, so now he's starting kind of to do digital downloads, but he still sticks with CDs. Uh, throughout my life, that's what I've been used to. And for the longest time, I wasn't ha allowed to have video games, electronics, a bunch of stuff that other kids had. I grew up, I think, in a sense, a lot like you did in that way. I still buy CDs. And if I buy an album on iTunes, I buy the whole album. That's just me. I know a lot of people are different. But I, I do have a bunch of soundtracks in my room. I bought the Avengers uh, music soundtrack with all the actual songs. I bought the Dark Knight Rises, or the, not the Dark Knight Rises, the Dark Knight score. I bought the Man of Steel score. All of that on CD. Uh, that's just what I do. And I do the same with films. I don't buy those digitally normally. Um, that's just what I do. I like to have hard copies. I like to listen to it all the way through. I am abnormal in that sense, but but, but that that's why people, especially in the age of you can actually listen to a new a new song at midnight when most people are still up on their iTunes or on their Xbox Music, and, and literally within seconds listen to that new song or that new single. That's the no, that's absolutely. the generation we. We live in. My point is, Hans Zimmer really, really needs to adapt the way he's thinking because a lot. Of, I understand he he's an artist. He has his own way of making his music the way he wants it. But a, really, a lot a lot of people do not think in like the way. 
especially when you're talking about movie soundtracks, think of a movie soundtrack as a concept album where you have to listen to every single song, every single track yeah. on that CD to get the full effect. Now, again, we're different. We do because that's who we are and that's what we do. Yeah. And, but, and, and, and not everyone does that. And honestly, in the... In this in this twenty first century generation, in the generation that we lived in, which is very information based, because we all have our tablets, we all have our computers, we all have our smartphones that are very soundbite esque. I think that's why we're not used to we're not used to like concept concept albums being in film soundtracks. Right. I know that I know that was very long winded and a little erudite for most of you guys, but that, that I I just wanted to explain that's my problem with Hans Zimmer. And, and final, final thoughts on that: they did release the Man of Steel soundtrack as a vinyl. So if you haven't got that and you still have a record player or something you want to play that thing with, do so. Or just if you want to buy it as a collection. It's, hey, they, it's awesome. Hey, hey, they, still, has one. they still make vinyl record they still make vinyl record players. Just these actually have yes. US they actually have USB cords attached to them. Yes. So you would Yeah, Derek Russell actually got one the other day with Oh really? Yeah, he did. He did. I saw that on his Twitter. Because what what these new record players can do, similar to what you would do with burning a CD, plug it into your Windows computer or your or your Mac, and you could actually burn the entire vinyl record onto your computer like you would a CD. I don't know. Which is really cool, actually, if you think about it. A little time consuming, but you know, because you can't you can't burn. But if that's all you have, like think about it. If you grew up in that day and age, and that's all you have, and you finally wanted to convert to digital, like that's the perfect thing for you. Yeah, but still, that would be a little time consuming. Okay. No joke, and I'm put. I'm kind of throwing Michael under the bus here. He did not want to record because of our um, strenuous time schedules and our busy schedules, and particularly his busy schedule. I changed his mind, and I'm so glad I did because a little bit of news broke out. And Michael, what was that news? Uh, well, you know, Lou, there's a movie coming out in 2015, July 17th, to be exact. Um, which is that is a sequel. Which is, which is what day also? Which is what oh, day? which is which is also my twentieth birthday. So awesome. Uh, which is a sequel to Man of Steel, which is already a plus, but it's also doubling as a Batman reboot. And we already know that Henry Cavill will be reprising his role as Man of, uh, as Man of Steel as Superman, and a lot of the cast from Man of Steel will be back in the film. But what we didn't know is who would play Bruce Wayne in Batman or and or Batman. And we have found out that that actor is, in fact, who will? That that is none none other than, none other than Bartleby from Dogma. No, no. Um, ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Um, here's here's the here's the thing with Ben Affleck. When you pointed that story out to me, I had to go to Krypton site or E Online or BBC or some reputable news site, SupermanHomePage.com, to actually realize to actually know if this was actually legitimate or not, because it looked like a joke to me. Right. It, it, it seriously did look like a joke to me. 
Okay, I am not fully formed an opinion on this other than I'm open-minded to it. I need to see him in the bat suit. Yeah. I need to see some set photos, like very much so, like with Henry Cavill, because like, because I, I don't know if I ever told you, I was very down on Henry Cavill when he first got cast. Yes, I remember that. Yes, because I did not see him in the suit, like that. And, I, and part of that was because you had been with Tom Welling so long as well that you were kind of, I don't know, you were kind of like, I kind of wish this was Tom Welling. But also, I have been so attached to one version of Superman. Right. And it, and knowing that this was going to be a totally different version of Superman. By the way, I have not really formed an opinion to whether I really love the Man of Steel or I really do not. Because of that weird pacing in that movie. I thought we kind of decided that you gave it a 5 out of 5. I did, but again, I, I need to see this thing at least another 6-7 times before I realize that I like it or not. I, yeah, I know. I can't wait till November 12th. I, I don't know if I can wait that long. That was a little... Uh, I, uh, I think you're going to talk to this, uh, talk to Dan about this when you do DC Nation about this. Like, here's the thing. I, I'll probably still like it, more or less, but I don't know if I'll love it. Because Christopher Reeve was in my life a long time. Yeah. Because even Dean Cain's version of Superman was in my life for a long time. But anyway... Oh, going back to um, Ben Affleck's casting, I'm th I'm thinking about him in a three-piece suit. I could see him as Bruce Wayne. I don't know if I could see him in the bad suit. People said the same thing about Henry Cavill. Well, people said the same thing about Michael Keaton, even though the, most of the, most of the trolls on the internet are too young to realize. And I'm not saying I'm one of the people that does remember, but Michael Bailey, who is one of the most open-minded people, Professor Michael Bailey, one of the most open-minded people about comic books and about this stuff than anybody I have ever met in my life, you know, will tell you on his Bailey's Batman podcast that... People were very skeptical about Mr. Michael Keaton as Batman before 1989 Batman came out because he yep. had just done, he had just done Beetlejuice. Yep, that is right. And I remember, and I remember people saying that about how they were skeptical about um, Christian Bale playing Batman, not yes. so much Bruce Wayne, but playing Batman, and. And to the, to the other aspect, I remember when people were ranting and raving and praising the fact that George Clooney was going to be Batman and how awesome it was going to be. Right. And I, I, have, I have said this off microphone to Andy and to Michael, and, I'll, and I've said this online uh, to, to some praise and to some criticism. In my opinion, no one can be Batman. No one living and breathing could totally reach the complete awesomeness of what Bruce Wayne is. And to that same extent, Clark Kent. It's not possible. You get really, really close to, ten, to five, but you're only going to get about a four and a half acting-wise. Yeah. Um... Kevin Conroy 
came close, the closest to anybody that I can think of off the top of my head to get a full 5 out of 5 of being Batman. Here's the, here's the problem with Kevin Conroy though. You can do more dramatic, more comic book-esque, if you want to use that term, choices because you're only a voice and not using your whole body as an actor. It's not you, it's just your voice. Right. No disrespect to Kevin Conroy. Now, Michael, how do you feel about what I just said? And then I'll go into something else that really bugs me about this. I agree with you. I, I don't think anyone can fully be Batman. I think that really is in the eye of the beholder to an extent. I think Kevin Conroy definitely uh, encompasses the role the most. And that's mainly because of how he played him and because he's played him so long and has had so much experience and has just got better and better as time goes on. Um, but again, he is a voice actor, and in real life, he looks absolutely nothing like Batman or Bruce Wayne. I was shocked, so, I was shocked when I first saw him like, as, you know, as him because he does not look like his voice. Right. But I do disagree with you about Superman. I think you can do that, I, 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 and, and I'm not sure you can achieve the awesomeness of Superman, but you can achieve every other aspect, I think. Well, a little bit more with Superman than with Batman, which is ironic with all the pra praise, that, praise that Batman has gotten over Superman. But ultimately, Batman is, is everything a woman and a man would want to be in real life if they could. Right. And the reason why it works with Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man is he pretty much is that guy. Right. Robert, exactly. Downey, Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark in his real life. Maybe not as much money, maybe not as smart, but he pretty much is Tony Stark. Well, uh, that version of him anyway. Yeah, that version of him. Maybe not, maybe not like the Pepper Potts-Tony Stark relationship, but that... That aspect of the Playboy, yeah, that's pretty much accurate. But with this, like, there really is no one person that everybody can agree on. And to that point, and you, I don't think you and I have talked about this on air, I hated the idea of Josh Brolin. I hated the idea. Of who? Josh Brolin as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Right, yes. I okay. hated that idea. I, I thought... <gasps> I, uh, I, I thought he looked the part. I thought he looked the part, and I think he'd be a good Batman. I don't think he'd be a good Bruce Wayne. I, th I think he would be a good Batman Bruce Wayne if this was Dark Knight Returns that we're talking about, which it's not. Well, and see, that, that role I would only ever give um, to what's-his-name, and I'm drawing a blank on his name, uh, Grant Torino guy, Dirty Harry, Clint Eastwood. That is the only guy I'd ever allow to play the Dark Knight Returns Batman. Yeah, and I don't think I don't know if, if you would ever like don like tights and a cape. And going well, back, give him armor. I don't care. Just let him do it. Giving, going back to the Affleck suit thing, I can't really see him in the traditional cape and boots and tights. I'm sure it will be more Dark Knight trilogy esque in terms of it being armor. I don't think it'll be that armor. I think it will be more comic book looking. But the fact that he could do Daredevil and leather works for me. 
And see, so, that's, and see, that's my problem right there. I, I could, I don't, I, I, I don't think I could see him in armor. See, all these like skepticisms I have, and that is a real word, skepticisms. Those, the, those could go out the window as soon as I see some set picks, or I see some promo photos. And remember this too, Chris Evans played the Human Torch, who was. The exact opposite of Captain America, yet he played Captain America years later after he had grown and matured as an actor, as Ben Affleck has. And now, I mean, look at him. He's the only one I could see as Captain America, and I don't even think Human Torch anymore. I think that's like... And and when I bring that up to most people that are movie fans, they're like, oh yeah, I remember him playing that. Like, they only associate him with Steve Rogers now. Right. Not Johnny Storm. Yeah. And that's fine. That was the goal. That was the intention. But then why can't Ben Affleck do the same? What I think is completely ridiculous, and I'll just say this right now, are those morons who are starting those petitions and wanting the White House to sign saying, get Ben Affleck out of this movie. First of all, get a life. Second of all, get a life. Third of all, if you can do better, you go do it. I mean, they casted who they thought was right. And Ben Affleck himself is a huge comic book fan. If he doesn't think he can do it, he would not do it because he would not want to ruin that for himself or for any other fan because he himself is a fan. A couple Plus, of I think he's a lot better actor now than he was even in Daredevil. And I'm one of the few who really enjoys Daredevil and really enjoy him in that movie, especially the director's cut. But if you see him in Argo, it's like he's a completely different person. And the so, and the town, which I have yet to see. It's on my computer. I have yet to see it. So that will be done over the weekend for sure. But I'm sure I will agree with you. Okay. Go, okay. Going back to some of your points, I, I one of your first points was he has grown a lot since Daredevil. First of all, the bad things about Daredevil had nothing to do with the cast, I, I want to say. Yeah, because I think they were all very good. The writing and the directing is just weird. Yeah, it's kind of a weird directed movie. I don't think the writing's all that bad, but I think the directing of it is kind of weird. Second, secondly, for Ben Affleck has grown a lot since he did Daredevil. He did, did he did Daredevil over like eight years ago, eight or nine no, years it was, ago. It was ten years ago this year. Yeah, I mean, you don't think by now a guy has hasn't matured in his acting ability in a decade, and. Um, to that point, to that point of someone choosing um, um, Ben Affleck as Batman, I think Damien Holbrook, a buddy of yours and mine, said so, said something very poignant on Facebook. Ben Affleck is Batman, and I don't think anybody. And and he said something. Well, let me look it up. Let me look it up. If, do, you, do you have anything to, other to say? While I look this up. Well, while you look that up, I'll just give my brief thoughts about this. Okay. I think Ben Affleck is a good enough actor to the point where he could pull off this movie. And Dan and I talked earlier, Lou, a few hours ago before you even uh, called me up to record. Um, Basically, we were going over this, and we said, hey, he's going to be on for a bunch of movies, kind of like Robert Downey Jr. Ultimately, he's probably going to want the Robert Downey Jr. type role for the DC films, which I think, hey, give it to him. I think Ben Affleck was a good choice because I think he doesn't 
over he's not big enough to the point where he overshadows Henry Cavill, but he's not small enough to the point where he's overshown by Superman. Okay. I think he's got the right type of actor to play Batman. Okay, here's Damien Holbrook's thing, it's on his face. Ben and I quote, this is all in quotes. Ben Affleck is the new Batman. In related news, you wouldn't be happy with anyone else either. I agree. People want it. And that's exactly my, and this actually goes to my other point. The people that do, do not like Ben Affleck to be Batman, um, uh, and I hate to be a, and to, to all my friends, and I love my friends, and I love my friends a lot, don't get me wrong. To my friends who do not know comic books, who do not know Batman other than what they see on their TVs, and on their movie screens or their IMAX screens, I'm sorry, you do not have an opinion compared to us that have lived and breathed this stuff. And you and I have talked on microphone and off about this geek hipster movement that's happened the last five years since comic book movies have been popular. And I hate to be like those people, but no, this is not being me being those people. This is me knowing what I know. Now, I talked about sports earlier. You and I, Michael, are not big sports fans. Yes. No. We, have, we have no right talking about soccer. We have no right talking about tennis. We have no right talking about baseball or hockey. We have no right talking about that kind of stuff. But we, we have a right to talk about things that we know about. And guess what? This is one of the things that we know a lot about. Well, absolutely. I, like, for example, I was at, I was at school today. I wore a Batman shirt because, hey, I'm celebrating the fact that we know who Batman is, and I'm excited for this movie. In my study hall, all I'm hearing about are people talking about this movie and saying how much they don't think it's going to be good and the fact that they don't think Ben Affleck was the right choice. And I'm just sitting there quietly because what am I going to say? I'm not going to say, hey, look, I could show you the five to six boxes of, or long boxes in my room and all the Batman DVDs on my shelf. And, you know, I mean, what am I going to say? I, I, I can't really say anything without coming across as a jerk. But at the same time, they really don't know what they're talking about. It's really funny because the only Batman they know is the Batman they probably saw once or twice as kids in cartoons and or the Batman from the Dark Knight trilogy who, let's face it, really is not the comics Batman. He is and he outside, isn't. Outside of Batman Begins, at least. He is and he isn't. But to the point that you just made, the same people that are complaining on Facebook, Google+, and Twitter, they're still going to see the movie in IMAX or in theaters when it comes out. So I don't know. Oh. So, so I don't know what Opening they're Opening day or midnight. Yeah. Opening day or midnight, unless yeah, they get exactly. really tickets. So I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what point you, they're trying to make here. Okay, they don't like it, but you're still going to go see it. Right. And that's the point. Yeah, I don't understand. I, I mean, I do understand that it's idiotic, but I understand it. But I, I, I want to reiterate this again. You guys have no no right to talk about if this is not the right decision or not. Because you, a lot of you, a lot of you, and I'm not talking about all our audience, but all, all most of these people know is what they see at their Cinemarks or their Regals, eating a bunch of popcorn and eating a bunch of Mike and Ike's waiting for The Dark Knight Rises to come on screen. Or watching Arrow. And no, I'm not knocking those fans, but you do not have a right to bash something that you really don't know the full whole backstory about. I, I, I doubt that they can name at least one Batman writer. 
let alone another Batman actor other than Michael Keaton and the people that we mentioned before. Let alone all five or six Robins. Yes. Or the several Batgirls. And no, we're not bragging here. But, but yeah, okay, we're, we're bragging a little bit, but at least we're not bragging. But we're not bashing. But we're not bashing somebody because of their supposed lack of acting ability. And quite frankly, to say that Ben Affleck has a lack of acting ability or writing ability or directing ability is really a falsehood because that's not really. He true. wouldn't have gotten a Golden Globe this past year if that wasn't the case. Well, and Dan and I were talking again, and. We were, and we were talking about him specifically, and, I, we, and he was saying, I'm glad that someone who has gotten this sort of a nomination is finally doing a comic book movie because this will give it more credibility. And then he went on to say, and I completely agree with Dan here, if he is attached to projects in the future, he should possibly <laughs> even replace Zack Snyder and just direct it himself and have a producing credit because, because he has more credibility to the point where people will go see it and have more faith in the film. And honestly, I feel like they should do Batman from now on after this movie like they do James Bond and just do one every two or three years because now you got a guy on it who will take it seriously and who can have a producing credit just like uh, – Daniel Craig on the James Bond films. I think that's the way to go. It's my opinion. But I, I, I really do think that this was a smart move for WB and DC Comics. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that last one. I do think, first of all, I, I'm, I'm with the general public in this aspect. I don't think Zack Snyder was the best choice for Man of Steel. Just because the weird, again, the weird pacing things, but that's another, but that's another story for another time. And you know what I'm talking about here. It's a valid argument to make looking back on it. Because I've seen the movie twice, I think it can make at least a valid argument. Right. Yeah. But going back to Ben Affleck, obviously they chose him because he's a, he's still a young guy and they wanted him for name identity. Right. Because no disrespect to Amy Adams, she did win. She did win an Academy Award, but it will take some time for people to realize who this person is, Amy Adams. No disrespect to her. I think most and, people. And really, and really, again, no disrespect at all, because I absolutely love her. She's more well known as a child actress, based on the Enchanted and the Muppets. That's what people know her as right now, because that's how their kids know her as. But my but my point is like most people in the known in the, in the in the modern world know who Ben Affleck is. Yes. Where, whether it's through Kevin Smith's films, whether it's Goodwill Hunting, whether it's even Daredevil, they know who Ben Affleck is, and I think it needs to be mentioned because Andy mentioned it to me off microphone. There you go, Andy. There's an extra cupcake, a red velvet cupcake, every time I mention your name. It's like when you say for shizzle. I don't even think you know what that word means, sir. Um, there's my little Andy dick. I, th I, th I think it should be mentioned, and Andy mentioned it to me today off microphone, that Matt Affleck, when he originally was um, approached for this role, did not want to take it because he was skeptical about how he, the character he would be playing would be represented. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's very respectful. I think so too. And he was very respectful of this, and he would not have signed on if the story wasn't good. 
I agree. And and like I said before, he's a big comic book fan. Yeah. He's a big comic book fan. And if you're going and he was offered and I don't know if you know this, not many people do, I guess. I don't know why. He was offered to I think produce slash write, direct, and star in the Daredevil reboot, and he turned it down. Yes. And Dan and I, I have, think I it's have, probably I have because heard of this. Yes, I have heard this. Okay. And and Dan and I really think it's because of this movie because he knew what he wanted, he knew what he was in, and I and hey, good on him. I would have turned down Daredevil for Batman too because who would you rather be, honestly? Well, and this was and it should be noted the reason and it should be noted this was before Kevin Feige and Disney bought Daredevil again or reclaimed Daredevil. Right. This was when Fox was going to do it. Yeah. So I I think he would have been more comfortable if Kevin Feige if this was like after Avengers I think he would be more up to it if it was Kevin Feige at the helm of of that project. Yeah. But any but anyway go, going back to going back to Affleck his acting skills are very good I think he he has really grown and again people diss his acting skills yeah but his producing and directing skills pretty good the last few years I would think <laughs> yeah and I think one of the other reasons why he got this role and Andy brought it up too he has a good relationship with Warner Brothers and syncope and those people and legendary who run the GC, the DC movies the live action movies so I think yeah and and really I don't I don't and knowing the kind of guy he is or the things that I've seen him in interviews I don't think he gives two two, two number twos and I'm trying to keep this very clean no pun intended I don't think he gives two dumps about what the internet's saying about him I don't either I, he's not that kind of guy to me. Yeah. And again, for all of you people that are hating on this, you're going to see the movie. Yeah, so shut up. Because even the people that were skeptical about Man of Steel, whether they liked it when they came out of the theater or not, I know a lot of people, like a lot of people, and I won't name any names, but like a lot of people were still bashing it, for, for, actually for legitimate reasons, don't get me wrong. But... They were, they were, they were still bashing Man of Steel, but they still paid five to ten dollars, depending on what version of you of it you saw in the theater. And I saw it three times. But again, you know what I mean. Like those people that bash this are still gonna go see it. So right, I mean, it's it's not gonna change. So if in I, fact, this this will get them more interested to see it because they want to be able to have an argument against it, which is really funny because they're literally fueling the fire. Yeah. And what you said about Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck, I totally agree with it as well. Ben Affleck's a big star, but he's not so big that he's gonna overshadow Henry Cavill. Right. And since people are still getting used to Henry Cavill as Superman, he's not big enough yet to overshadow Ben Affleck as Batman, or Batman at all. So I think it'll be an even balance. I think it'll be really good. Okay, this is just for you and me now, just going into the, like, the last 10, 15 minutes of this. This is one thing that we haven't talked about very much, or at, at all really. With Zimmer still handling the score of this, of this quote-unquote... Whoa, this new rebooted franchise. I want the Batman music to be different, obviously. Yeah. And 
with Gore, with Goyer still being the writer, and this is something that we talked a little bit about off microphone last night. This is gonna be, with the casting of Ben Affleck, and I don't think this has been talked about enough. This will be a completely different, di a different Batman that I think that we've never seen live action. Maybe in the comics, maybe in the animated series, but it's gonna be a very different Batman, very different Bruce, for that matter. Yeah. Again, I'm I'm hopeful. I I'm more convinced he can do Bruce. Uh, I'm always skeptical about somebody being in that suit, because that is, because it is that is not easy being in that suit and not looking silly. The bat suit. Yeah. Yeah. Because because that's the thing. Like Superman, like can burn can burn you into a pile of ash. If you wanted to, that's where that intimidation comes from. But with Batman, like, like it's very easy for somebody to laugh at you. And when your first line is "Hi, freeze! I'm Batman," you pretty much killed everything that you got going for you in like the first five minutes of that thing. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's gonna be silly. I mean, come on, it's Goyer. And if we release David Goyer's address on here, and he got Batman wrong, I think there would be like torches and pitchforks at his house. I agree. I I don't I don't think that he's gonna do it bad. I'm really again one for like the fifth or sixth time on here. I'm really hopeful for it for the future. And we have to mention this again. I don't think it's been mentioned enough. This is not a standalone Batman movie. No, this is a world's finest film. It's not standalone Superman. It's not standalone Batman. It is world's finest. It's and I love Batman the fact that Superman. no one's talked about Cavill through this entire thing. But I mean, honestly, what are you going to talk about? Like, I mean, I, everything we've talked about, we've talked about at the end of Man of Steel for our predictions. I mean, what else are you going to talk about? I I can't see, I can't see scenes with Affleck and Cavill in my head. I can't wait. Yeah. I, I really can't. I, I really can't. This, this is going to be so exciting. This actually just really sparks my interest for also potentially who they could cast as, um, for argument's sake, Hal Jordan and Diana Prince. If they go after somebody like Ben Affleck for this, like... Get Jensen Ackles for Hal Jordan, damn it. <laughs> no, get him for Jason Todd. I'm sorry, you're never going to see Jason Todd in a live-action Batman movie, so you might as well accept that and let him be Hal Jordan, because I think that's probably the best thing to go with. Hey, that's Arrow, Arrow. Is. I could see him on Arrow after Supernatural's dead. That'd be dumb. I That'd be that. dumb and you know it. Oh, come on. I, I'm biased because that's just me being, that's just me being myself or so. I, no, I, but think about it. He's basically held Jordan already on Supernatural. So you might as well keep him that way. <laughs> um, really and truly, with the casting of Affleck, too, and I don't know why I'm thinking like this. I'm thinking Lex Luthor cannot be an older guy. I don't know why I'm thinking like this, but I really don't think you could cast Brian Cranston alongside Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. I don't know why. Help me out here. I think I think you could do Mark Strong, but who really wants to do it is Michael Rosenbaum, and he has a petition, and I'm, I've been signing it. I, I would totally go for that. And you know what? I really would. I would really like to see his chemistry with, 
Cavill and with Affleck, to be honest with you. Hey, I could still see Stephen Amell in a, just, in a Justice League movie with those guys. Yeah. And quite, and really, Affleck's casting really makes, makes me hopeful because, again, if they can get a big star like Ben Affleck to do something like this, who else could they get, get, potentially? Right. This 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 just make this just makes me really hope hope hopeful for the future, and I'm I'm really not gonna see anything negative about it until I actually see something tangible and legit. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw stones at it. I'm I'm really am not. Well, and here's the thing too. I think DC is really starting to realize, hey, Marvel is really ahead of us in this area, and while we may be ahead of them everywhere else, they're really beating us where it counts. So I think they're really starting to ramp up production and ramp up story and wrap up every ramp up everything on their cinematic universe. And I think that's smart. They're already doing that on television, and I think they're going to continue into film. And I think it's going to be really good. I cannot wait for World's Finest, I, whatever it's called. It doesn't matter. Is Batman and Superman on screen together for the first time ever in live action on my 20th birthday? And it's going to be like awesome. Yeah. I, I really can't wait. I really can't. And, I, and I'm, yeah, I'm kind of acting like a giddy schoolgirl about it, but it's Batman and Superman in live action on the big screen. I, you can't get better than that. I'm sorry, Avengers or not, that's my go-to movie for 2015. And I, over Star Wars, over Avengers, over everything. Don't say over Star Wars. Nothing over. over okay, over. fine. Maybe it's maybe it's the same as Star Wars, but okay, it's definitely okay. over Avengers. Okay, there you go. I've seen that. I've been there, done that. Because I, I want to say one last thing before we say our goodbyes here. There was a potentiality for Orlando Bloom to be Bruce Wayne and Batman. No. Exactly. So we could have gotten it a lot worse. A lot worse. And I like Orlando Bloom. I love him in Pirates and I love him in Lord of the Rings. But no. I, li I like him in Lord of the Rings and I barely like him. So there, so there you go. Um... Again, I'm really hopeful for this. I, I, I have full faith in Goyer. I have full faith in, in that production team. Because that, here's one thing that I don't think we mentioned in our last discussion, or in last week's discussion either. When DC does their special effects, I don't know. They seem very more mean and nasty and real. Even in Man of Steel. I agree. Like, I felt in danger more in Man of Steel. Not even... Yeah, I, I, felt, I felt more so in the in Man of Steel that this could be real than I did in The Avengers. Yeah, because Avengers... And again, The Avengers is more of a comic book movie. It is. It doesn't have to be realistic. Yeah. And, and hence the, and hence the sound Zod's neck made at the end. Spoiler alert. Oh my gosh, yes. But yeah. that's not, Talk really, about. Well, that's not really a spoiler alert because I just talked about his neck. I didn't say how. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um. Again, Justice League movie for 2017. I really, I'm really looking forward to this thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's gonna be like three hours, and you're probably gonna be not just camping outside in IMAX, living in an IMAX for about a week, the week that that movie comes out. You have like a sleeping bag next to your chair? Well, I'm, I'm just gonna bring a whole tent, an inflatable bed, and you know, 
probably a TV with the wireless hotspot. I'll just live there. Okay, that's okay. That's creepy. Or as I'll I'll, I'll rent out the janitor's closet of the movie theater. Or as Kripke would say in Big Bang Theory, that's very creepy. Very creepy. Creepy. Doctor Koopa. Yeah, we're all pathetic and creepy and can't get girls. That's why we waste robots. <laughs> <laughs> you did that so well. Have you been practicing? Because that was fantastic. Man, that's actually my favorite episode of Big Bang Thing. I that's not a sexy enough name for you. I think I'm gonna call you Roxanne. Oh my gosh, that is so good. <laughs> I love that. Um. Anyway, guys, this has been one of the most engrossing and longest tangent times ever. A lot of good stuff we're talking about here. I don't think we missed anything. Still, we are, like, more or less a month away from all the TV shows coming back. Like, some of my favorites, like Once Upon a Time, How I Met Your Mother, the debut of The Shield Show. I still can't believe we're two months away from um, Arrow coming back. Supernatural's going to come back, like, a week before that, right? Uh, no, it comes out the day before. Oh, wow. So, we... Oh! CW, why do you have to do that to us? Yeah, well, and Star Trek Into Darkness comes out on DVD in a few weeks, and I think Man of Steel and Iron Man 3 come out in the next few months. So be be watching for those guys. Yeah, be watching be watching for those be watching for those definitely and and we are going to have a big 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 one more time big couple months here on ETA. Thank you for our all of our listeners, our longtime listeners. And our new listeners, welcome. I know we've had a couple of new likes on on our network, social network pages. We have a Google Plus page. We have a Facebook. We have a Twitter, at Across Airwaves. Please mention Tangent Time if you want us to mention you on the show. My Twitter handle is at WSK9002. That's at WSK9002. Michael's is at MJPetty7. That is at MJPetty7. Our... Our email is across the airwaves at gmail.com. That is across the airwaves at gmail.com. And what is our voicemail, Michael, for the people that want to contact us old school? Yeah, our voicemail is 1773-809-3363. Again, that is 1773-809-3363. Please call that number if you guys want to leave us a voicemail. Make sure you leave it for Michael and Lou here at Tangent Time. And again... Any information you want from us, any blog posts, any comic book reviews, any any anything that you want from Across Airwaves, visit AcrossAirwaves.com. Again, that is AcrossAirwaves.com. For any news on Across the Airwaves, DC Nation, Longbow Hunters, Helicarrier, Tangent Time, etc., and much more. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ben Affleck, for accepting this role. I, I really hope this movie is good, and I hope you are fantastic as Batman. I have, I have faith in you. I think you'll do well, and don't don't listen to the internet because most of those people are stupid. So, uh, <laughs> poor yeah. Dan Schmidt. Yeah, and one more thing, and one more thing, and I know we're breaking we're breaking our normal flow here. I, I love you, Jennifer Garner. I don't want to see you as Catwoman, although it would be cool to see one couple play two iconic power couples in two different comic book franchises. Even though that would be cool. Well, fun fact, Ben Affleck is the only actor to now uh, 
be playing Batman and Superman as he actually played George Reeves in the movie Hollywood Land. Yes. And he had to dress up as Superman. Yes, and in total now he's done four superheroes, and I don't even think Ryan Reynolds has done that yet. Yeah, well, and and he's also Daredevil, so that's three different superheroes so far, so that's awesome. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks so much for Dan Schmidt, Nico Reistek, Andy Babach, and Chris Duker. I'm Michael J. Petty with me as U.S. Kim. Thank you so much for joining us, guys, and see you next time uh, across the airways. A simple text is the best way. Poor old Alfred, I'm his family, he is mine, and he will never give up on me, so I'll never give him reason to. When Gotham needs a knight in shining armor, I will do it, but I don't have to pretend I always like it, so if anyone would want to step right up and take the job away from me and be a better savior, they can do so. You can either die a hero, or you live just long enough to see yourself become the villain, and I am whatever Gotham needs from me. I'll guard the city silently, I'll watch and be protectful, see, I'll do it all quite thanklessly, because I'm the hero, I'm the Batman, but Bruce Wayne, I'll...